Welcome to the Revive Us podcast. We're back at it again and we're looking at Romans 6, but we just want to give you a little bit of a recap of what happened in chapter 5. We are just talking about um, trespasses and how we are totally justified um, and righteousness has been um, imputed to our to us um, like in a law of court. We are no longer held um, for our wicked and evil acts. Instead, uh, we have grace and where grace increases all the more um you know where where sin increases grace increases all the more and so paul has this thought okay um he's anticipating possible arguments okay so what if if sin increases then god's grace is more on display so maybe i should just keep on sinning i should um just live the life that i actually so desire but paul's like no I don't, that's not true. You're dead to sin. And so we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be dead to sin and what it means to be alive in Christ. So the first section here is uh, verses one to four. So let's just take a quick look at that. And then uh, Ezra will take it from here. <laughs> what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Mm -hmm. I love uh, Paul's uh, rhetorical questions like, his, his invisible opponent he's been talking to this whole yeah. time in his head. Uh, we should give him a name, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we should. <laughs> uh, but another time. But yeah, he starts off like, uh, ends off Romans 5, where sin increases, grace increases all the more, which is true. There's always grace for our sin. But a lot of people could just take those words, twist it, and be like, okay, that means I can just sin all I want and just get away with it right mm -hmm. and no and i think a lot of people either think that about christianity or kind of live with that mindset that you know oh god will forgive me right but that's actually not what we're called to live as and with this rhetorical question he doesn't want you to answer it because he's just making his point we should not live in sin because we are dead to it um when we were still sinners, sin was the dominant power in our lives. Sin was who we were, um, which was going to result in death. But uh, what I find interesting is uh, the Bible's answer to how we are set from a sin-dominated life. And the answer to that question is how we're set free is we actually have to die. Which at, the, at first sounds a little weird. It's like, why do I have to die? But it actually makes sense. You see, this life we're living right now, it's, it's already headed to death. It's already our, like our physical body and everything. It's already headed to death. And to receive this new life, the old life has to die first. Mm -hmm. And the way we receive this new life is only through trusting in Jesus. And when we put our faith in him, you die with him and you are given new life uh he took the death penalty on your behalf that you deserved so that you could live so on so 
Think about it as like a courtroom. You've already been declared guilty. There's no doubt about it. All the evidence is there. You're already guilty for all your sins. Now, someone could pay your bail, which is pretty much what Jesus does. He pays that bail with his life. So instead of you dying, he dies in your place. And so since the punishment has already been taken care of, there's not really anything left for you. And once you put your trust in Jesus, our sin-dominated life dies, and we are given new life in Christ. And we're given this life to the spirits. See, on our own, we, we, we choose to love sin more. We, we're incapable of loving God on our own. And the spirit of God who dwells within us is the thing in us that tells us to stop living this sin-dominated life, but uh, tell, it just tells us and leads us to hating sin and loving God. And our putting our trust in Jesus will free us from the sin-dominated life. There's actually two verses um, that talk about this. And that's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 14. I think you have that open, Ed. Yeah, it says here, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And the, the second verse here is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who, lit, who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm -hmm. Since Christ died, we've all died. All who trust in Jesus have died with Christ. And all who put their trust in Christ have been crucified with them. And it's not your life you're living. It's, the, it's Christ living in you. So now the life you're living, it's through the Son of God. And that's exactly what baptism represents. Um, you die. Like when you go in the water, it's, you're symbolizing your death. You're dead to your previous sin-dominated life. And when you come out, you come out a new creation. And that's what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes your death and resurrection in Christ. And it's very similar to the story of the Exodus. You know, when the Israelites went into the Red Sea, they entered in as slaves to Egypt. When they came out on the other side, they came out free people because of God. They were set free from their captivity to Egypt when they crossed the other side and the Red Sea swallowed them up. And you were a slave to sin and the old life died. And now you come out on the other side of free in Christ Jesus. And that's pretty much what it symbolizes. That's the best example to give because it honestly, it's actually exactly like that. When you put your trust in Christ, you go in a slave to your sin, you come out a new creation. Uh, just like how Egypt had no power over Israel, sin has no power over you. But there's one thing to keep in mind that but when the israelites were on their way to the promised land some of them wanted to go back to egypt because it was hard they wanted to go back i think you have numbers uh chapter 14 verse 1 to 4 right mm -hmm, yeah and the people just kind of they just complained against moses and and aaron they're like why have you brought us out here and, and it says night that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to the land only to let us fall by the sword? 
our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Israel. They loved the sin of Egypt. They loved worshiping the idols, doing pagan things. They loved um, all the meat and all these different things that they could do, even though they were brutally persecuted and even had their babies taken away and killed. They loved their sin. They loved the comforts. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Because so, being a slave would, would be easier than going out as a free person because then it's you have to put all your trust in God because at, at that point in their lives, like what's happening in that situation, a little more context. Um, they've just been set free from Egypt and they've been in the wilderness. You know, they've been complaining a lot. They already uh, worshiped the calf idol while Moses was getting the 10 commandments and they're heading out. They go to the promised land, which the whole trip from Egypt to the promised land probably would have taken two weeks to a month of walking takes them 40 years. And the reason why it takes 40 years is because of this adventure in chapter 14. Uh, They send 12 spies into the promised land. And two of them say, let's go. Let's take this promised land now. I think it's Caleb and Joshua. We can take it. God's with us. Look at this land. He's going to give us all this. This is great. But the other 10 spies are like, no, we're going to die. Everyone, it looks, it's really scary to go there and just take it. But they didn't realize that God has always been providing for them and God will do it again. But in their minds, they're like, Mm. man, it would have been easier to be a slave. Yeah. And it's quite interesting because what, you know, what God had to do, he had to actually uh, train them to put the old self to death. They had been in Egypt for so long. They had been so used to the comforts and the sin of their life that through those 40 years, God, God sent many trials towards them and started weaning them and, and shaping them to be ready to enter the promised land. He was sanctifying them Mm -hmm. if we could say for those 40 years and to prepare them for what was to come Mm -hmm. so yeah and that gets us into the next section for we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with like it's dead um that part is dead, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We have been set free. We are no longer slaves. We've come out of Egypt. We're set free um, and we're putting things to death. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So Paul's basically like trying to make the point and he's trying to make his case still of how being saved by grace through faith is not an excuse to sin. And those who have faith in Christ experience a, like a spiritual rebirth, like a new life, like in John chapter three, being born again. And I like how this is verse seven, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Like I kind of said before, you kind of have to die to be set free from sin. A death has to happen because the punishment of your sins from the law demands your death. And then when Christ's sacrifice is put in your place, you die with him, but he takes the punishment. He takes the full effect of the punishment on himself, but you still die as well with him. Mm -hmm. And I think a good verse to kind of symbolize this or to get an idea of what's going on is 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. I think you got it open, right? Yeah. 
It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit actually, of faith. I don't think that's all... the right verse, actually. It's, is that not it? It's not it. It's okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 5.17. Verse 5. Yeah. Second Corinthians 5.17. I got it right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> The new creation <laughs> has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yeah. Our old self has died so that we may receive our new life. Our Adam nature that we talked about last week has been done away with at the cross. And now you're reunited with Christ in his crucifixion. The old has passed away. The old self is gone. My old life of sin, dominated by sin, it's already dead. It's gone away with. I've been given new life in Christ Jesus. And that's the greatest news there is. That's the good news of the gospel. You can be dead to your sin and be alive in Christ Jesus. And I think now you might be at the verse, um, 2 Corinthians 10 to 12, or chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we are fools for Christ. Hold up, Second Corinthians four. <laughs> we, yeah, we also carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And so this is so important. Like we are constantly being given over to death. It's like this putting to death sin over and over and over and over again so that life can abound. And I was talking to Ezra about this and I was like, man, we got to talk on this a little bit more. It's about sanctification. And that's, this is kind of the process. We're constantly being put, we're putting to death sin in our lives over and over for for christ's sake so that we can reveal more of his beauty more of his glory and we can become more like him and we're just thinking like okay COVID time like okay just because COVID has hit you know everything's paused we're stopping everything it does not mean that our sanctification has stopped or that we're hit up like a a, a static position in our relationship with God. There's no static position. It's either you're putting it to death or you're making sin grow and making it alive. If you're not killing sin, sin will be killing you. And, and so as Christians, this is, this is our, our call is to be given over to death over and over and over again. So like, we just want to encourage you again, just, we have died to, we have died we have died and and we are dying every day so so just one of the things that we can do to do that is constantly come before the word of god let the word of god penetrate change our lives i know this is very basic 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 stuff but sometimes the most basic stuff is the most profound stuff and and then we're we're praying and we're praying the scriptures and we're praying over them and asking god to do a work in our hearts a work in our lives and we're 
and and then we're we're around other people. I know COVID's kind of shut this down, but this shows how important it is to be around other believers. But we need to be around other believers. If we're not around other believers, how like they're the ones that it says a friend sharpens a friend. Like, um, so so iron sharpens iron. So does a friend does uh, sharpens another friend. So uh, in Proverbs, and so like we need other believers to kind of sharpen us and make us more like Christ to help us put that to death, put our sin to death. And, and they're able to see things that we cannot see because our heart, the heart is utterly deceitful. Who can know it? And so God has placed his spirit, first of all, in our lives to reveal and open our eyes to those things, but also he's put other believers. And so again, don't forsake meeting with other people, talking with other Christians. If that means just going out for coffee, and getting together once a week or or doing a zoom call just with a friend whatever it is we need to pursue putting to death um, our sin over and over again so yeah i love that verse second corinthians 4 10 to 12 check it out that's great. really good. it's a great passage mm-hmm. uh yeah and paul just kind of goes off on a lot of things and it's just amazing um we just mm-hmm. continually uh remember the sacrifice that was the blood that was shed for us for our sins and our mistakes and we live in that new life now we're given that new life yeah. sin has no power over us because we already died and we're made alive to sin it's like we've been you know given new life there's we've already died and already been reborn uh and we can't use this opportunity to continue sinning because we've been given a gift of grace not a license to sin the gift is not a license mm. to sin. We need to remember that. Mm. The God will, oh, God will forgive me excuse. If you just keep using that, it's going to be be like basically your slogan at one point. Like, oh, God will forgive me. And we can do live in sin. Mm-hmm. We're called to live in righteousness. See, um, the gospel, the point of the gospel is to create new people who are passionate for good, passionate for righteousness. And because on our own fleshly nature, we're not, we're not passionate for anything godly. But this the God, the gospel is it transforms us to become passionate for doing good and, for e- and not evil. I think one, uh, you know, everyone likes to quote Ephesians 2 8, you know, for grace uh, is being by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works that no man should boast, right? Everyone quotes that passage. Uh, even verse 9 in that as well, too, not by works no man should boast. But people don't look at verse 10 of that which uh, it basically says we were in creating Christ Jesus to do good works. You know, we're creating Christ mm-hmm. Jesus to do good works. It's not like, oh, you've been saved by grace and that's it. You can do whatever you want. It's like, no, we're created to do good works. We're created to do, have a passion for doing righteousness instead of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, like, you know, that's a, that's a thing. Like, what if your passion is dying? What if your passion to do what is right is is fading? What is what's what what is being placed in your life? Um, what there are things in our life that distract us from desiring those things. Um, you got to identify what you know what what's taking most of your time up during your days. Like, how are you spending your time? How are you spending? Um, another question is, how are you spending your money? Where are you, where are you spending your money? Mm-hmm. Um, those are two areas to see where you are um, dividing your attention 
And when you divide your attention on those things more than the Lord, that's where the problem is. That's, that's, that's why you have no passion and desire for him because it, it's been misplaced. You cannot serve two masters. Uh, Jesus says that. Um, it's either you love God or you love money. There is no, no choice. And so really examine who do you serve? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's continue verses uh, eight and 10. Yeah. Now, if we died with Christ, we, uh, we believe that we will also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died for sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Didn't we read this? I'm sure we did. We haven't read this yet. Oh, I know <laughs> we did. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So death has Go no ahead. mastery yeah. over Christ because that death will, has no power over us. When Christ incarnated as human, he became susceptible to a lot of things. He limited himself when he became human. Uh, he was, became hungry, he became thirsty, he became tired. Uh, even like in, sec- in uh, Philippians chapter 2, it says like he became obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross, because he came as a servant. But now, through his resurrection, you know, death no longer has mastery over him. He defeated death and evil on the cross. He let evil do like their absolute worst on him by crucifying him. And through his resurrection, he defeated death once and for all. Death has no mastery over Christ. So because that death has no mastery over us, even if our flesh is wasting away, we will live, never truly die. Because I think you made the point before this, that it's like true death is not just like, you know, a physical death, but true death is separation from God. That's the mm-hmm. real death. Yeah. That's why even in the Bible, hell is called the second death. Because it's the reality is your physical death does not compare from total separation from God. That's the real death that you're going to die. And yeah, yeah. because like, like here on earth, just think about it. You, you experience God every day. Like think about it. You get to breathe fresh air. That is a mercy of God. You get to have food on your table every day. That is a mercy. God's mercy and grace is here every day. You get to experience his mercies every, every day. He waters the ground. He makes things grow. He, uh, he provides clothing for you, whether or not you believe it or not, (laughs) like in everything that you have is a gift from God. And so day after day, you, whether, even though you're not, maybe you're not saved, you are still experiencing the mercies of God each day. And so just imagine hell, full out separation from God, death, full separation, no longer, like no longer are you receiving these grace that you get to experience here on, here on earth. Now, this is now I've, I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, Ezra, but I've thought about this and this has kind of been an interesting topic. This is, we're totally going off. <laughs> Of key, but maybe a little bit, but like hell, like is total separation from God. And so when we think about, okay, what are the mercies that he's shown us here on earth? Like we think of air, food, water, clothing, all these things, all of a sudden you go to hell, those things disappear. You find it hard to breathe. You, you, you're, you're starving. You're, you feel hunger pains. 
that are excruciating over and over again. You don't feel the cool breeze anymore. You feel scorching wind that blasts you. It's like fire. So all of a sudden, like all those mercies and graces are gone. And so like, I thought like, you know, that's probably what hell is like. It's literally all these good things that we have here on this earth just ripped right out of us. And think of the total opposite, the, the worst, the pain, the agony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't think yeah. what people realize, like I've always heard people say like, hell's going to be a party, but it's like, oh. when they have to realize it's hell is separation from God and God is the source of all things that are good. So oh, what life, do you think? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen when the source of all things that are good is gone? Yeah. Like nothing, there's nothing good. Like everything good in his creation is not there. Nothing Uh, good is there. mm. It's just straight evil and nothingness. It's straight separation from, so how is that going to be party? It's because in our minds, we see like separation from God is a good thing. You know, in Romans one, we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We express the truth yeah. of hell being this place of like the place we should not go, but go be with God. And, but we suppress that truth because of sin is like, we just want to continue living the life we live. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think even like in the story of in Luke, the rich man Lazarus, when the rich man's in hell, mm-hmm. um, he says like, tell my fa- like people I know about this and whatever. And basically I think it's Abraham who says to him, it's even if someone raises from the dead, they probably won't believe it. Yeah. Some people, because they want to continue living their sin lives. They don't want to stop. But even in that story, it was kind of like um, the the man in hell, he was like, just give me a drop of water because mm-hmm. this pain and agony is so great. Like mm-hmm. you can't even imagine how, 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 yeah how much pain there is and to ask and the request is quite interesting because just give me a drop of water i just need a little bit of god's mercy i just need a little bit because i'm receiving none and the thirst for god's mercy is so great he just wants a single drop mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so and yeah I, I i think like one thing to notice is he doesn't ask to get out he doesn't ask that's interesting he never asks like help me get out of this but i think it's because at the end of the day when we go to hell we know that's what we've deserved for what we've done yeah a lot of people say like no that's cruel but at the end of the day we're gonna see that we actually deserve what we get yeah Mm -hmm. and he might have fully realized like it was it was too late like he he said go back and tell my family before it's too late like he knew it was too late Mm -hmm. to go back Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so um but for us when we put our trust in christ even if our flesh wastes away we'll never truly die jesus says very profoundly in john chapter 8 verse 51 very truly i tell you whoever obeys my words will never see death Mm. it won't even come that's good since Christ overcame death and has no power over him, when we put our trust in Christ, we overcome death through him. Mm-hmm. Those who obey his yeah. words will never see death. They'll never be separated from God. They'll always be with their creator and have eternal life in him. And mm-hmm. the amazing verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 57, I think you have that open up, Ed. 1 Corinthians 15. Um, 54 to 57. 
yes when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable the mortal will mortal with immortality then the saying is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory where oh death is your victory where oh death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god he gives us victory through our lord jesus christ amen so death is gone mm-hmm. death oh where is your sting it's where is it where's your victory it's not nowhere to be found because you haven't won christ won by his resurrection and that's actually what Paul's talking about in First Corinthians 15. It's about the resurrection. So death has no longer any power. And what he says here, I think it's going to play onto like the last section we're going to be talking about. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. See, because of our sin, it brought about our death because the law condemns us because of our sin and says we have to die because we broke God's law. And so it's because sin brings death. Uh, and the law condemns us because of our sin. It brings about our death. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we died with Christ, we yeah. will also live with him. And since we, will, we have this new life, we must not use it to continue living in sin. So we have new life. Sin is no longer a mastery, just like how death has no mastery over Christ. Death has no mastery over us. And sin has no mastery over us. So we can't live in that anymore. Yeah. Let's get into that. Oh, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like it continues. um, Paul talks about the other side. Okay, what does, what's this? uh, If, if Jesus lives to God, so also he surmises that we also must live to God. It's the same way as Ezra was saying. And it continues in verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been uh, brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Mm. That last verse is very profound. And mm-hmm. do not let sin rule your life because sin doesn't rule your life. You're already new creation. Don't let it because it has no power over you. Think about it like this. Um, like when you were to cover in sin and you were dominated by sin, it's like entangling you and just holding you down. And now you've been set free. It can't even touch you anymore. But it's kind of like yelling at you at the sidelines. Like, hey, just come back, you know, but <laughs> you're already on a new path now. So it can't mm-hmm. really do anything more. It has no control or mastery over you unless you let it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't let sin rule mm-hmm. over your body because it has no power over it. You're a new creation. You know, in first John uh, chapter one and verse six to seven, it says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and it's talking about Jesus and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not have the truth in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Mm-hmm. We must walk in the footsteps of Jesus to know that sin will our lives because if we claim to be followers of Jesus but yet walk in darkness, we, we lie to ourselves yeah. and we don't live out the truth. 
Yeah, there's not, there's no uh, like a two side thing. It says, you know, verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin, any part. But it says offer every part of yourself to him, uh, to Christ. So you can't, you know, oh, little gossip with my lips. That's a little fine. I think mm-hmm. that's all right. Or, you know, oh, you know, I just, you know, looked at a woman with my eyes a little bit and, you know, oh, that's fine. You know what? No, like every single part, just your hands, your feet, where you walk, where, where are you going? Like um, what you say, what you think, um, what you listen to, every part of your body, it's covering the whole person. Uh, must be offered to God as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to him to be an instrument of righteousness. That's what we're called to be. Let's be instruments of righteousness today. Yeah. You know? And I think so. this really plays into like when during the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, if your right arm causes you to sin, chop it off. It's better to enter yeah. uh, heaven with one arm than go to hell with two arms. <laughs> Whatever is in your life that's causing you to sin, chop it off. Don't clip a fingernail. Don't cut your finger off. Because I feel like that's sometimes what we do. Like, well, Christ says, cut off your arm. We'll just clip a fingernail, which it's eventually going to grow back. But Yeah, it's not sanctification by yeah. amputation. <laughs> but, but through getting rid of the things in our life that lead us to sin, we give sin less of an opportunity to come about in our lives. Like, yeah. Um, what's a good example of this? I can't think of any good examples off the top of my head, but we get the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like putting it to death. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, you know, you've realized that you really struggle. I'm just gonna. You really struggle with, um, I don't know, pornography or whatever and or just lust in general like you've put to death you put to death the pornography habits or whatnot but you still struggle with looking at women well what other things are you looking at during your day like are you looking at the billboards that you walk past um are you what kind of youtube videos do you watch on on the on yeah what uh on your instagram feed um do you have like pictures like friends who kind of like post kind of like not very modest stuff like that will affect you as well. So like cut it off, cut all things off that are causing you to sin. And so like, that means maybe, yeah, it maybe means unfriending people. It maybe means unsubscribing from certain channels, um, whatever it is. It's just like cutting off every possible thing that's, that can hold or change or change. Um, yeah, just really conform you. Uh, to not be like Christ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think a good thing to know is um, God knows we're not perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think one thing we need to realize is um, while, yeah, Christians do sin, we do mess up and we do sin, mm-hmm. but a faithful follower of Jesus does not live in continual sin. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between a one time incident and then just continually doing it. Like, mm-hmm. if, I'm just continually doing whatever I want, then that's wrong. But I make a mistake today and it sucks. And I don't hate that. Mm -hmm. I go to God for repentance and 
start going back down that path of righteousness that God paved out for me. Mm. So while I like, I'm going to trip along the way, but you know, the righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up seven times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just because I messed up today, doesn't mean I stop living in righteousness and just be like, stay on the ground after I trip, but get getting back up through the power of God in us. Yeah. Like it says, and we did. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I say, like I said, like I said in uh, in First John chapter two, verse one and two, basically yeah. it's talking about how. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning mm-hmm. sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, Ed? Yeah, and just as a closing, you know, same thing uh, from second or. Sorry, Titus 2, 11 to 12. Um, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Mm-hmm. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so go with that encouragement that God has given us the grace and the strength mm-hmm. uh, to overcome this world. Mm-hmm. And the desires of this world, the desires of our flesh. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get to Romans chapter eight eventually, and we'll talk about how to live by the spirit's power. That's that's a good part of the grace that God is talking about, mm-hmm. I believe, here yeah. as well. And so for verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. The law never gave you the power to stop sinning. All it did was tell you how sinful you were and how incapable mm-hmm. you were of following God. So it didn't really help us, but yeah. so because of the law, uh, it condemns us. But now that the law, because the law bounded us in sin for our mistakes and crimes and condemned us for it, but the grace of God revealed in Jesus freed us. So now that we are under grace, sin has, is no longer our master. We're not under yeah. the law, but under grace. Yeah. So we'll talk about who are we slave to in the next episode? Are we a slave to satan or ourself or sin no we are slaves to righteousness Mm -hmm. so we'll catch you guys later on the next episode uh see you guys later